to the Feedback Force podcast, the game design analysis podcast of the End Defender community. I'm Kelso. I'm Carla. And I'm Carl. Uh, and I am in a new time zone. I have moved. It feels... Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm on the East Coast now, yeah. It feels like it's been a thousand years since we recorded <laughs> the last episode. Because uh, immediately the next day, I woke up at like 5 a.m. and we started driving. And we drove for a few days. Uh... Yeah, that cross-country trip is, yeah. is intense. It's not great. But we, uh, I made it. So I made it. And then, like, also my sister had another baby. So that's another thing that's happened to me. It's just lots of stuff has, has happened in the last two weeks. You have been re-aunted. I have been re-aunted again. Number six. That's a lot. That's a lot. It is. But, yeah. Is that all from one sibling or no, no a combination? Uh, yeah, no. My sister, my sister now has three. Um, my middlest stepbrother has one, and my oldest stepbrother has two. So, okay. That's six. Yeah, that's six. Yeah. Had to think about it. Congrats to her. Yeah. It was... Everything went well. The baby is... A baby. I don't... I don't know. <laughs> it I, exists. It's healthy. Yeah, it's fine. It feels disingenuous saying that, like, a, a new newborn baby is cute because they kind of... No, are... they're always incredibly <laughs> ugly. But, you know, her other, her other two are extremely cute, so... Odds are good. Odds <laughs> are good for this one. So she has three daughters Lots of expectations. Yeah, 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 the bar is high. <laughs> she doesn't even know it. Uh, so yeah, that's what I've been up to. Uh, how about y'all? Well, this morning was supposed to be my triumphant return to Sunday morning streams. Oh yeah, I saw, uh, I saw you were having emulator troubles. Yeah, well, I was having a lot of troubles. First, I was having emulator troubles. Because uh, I have an emulator that allows me to theoretically play PlayStation games from discs that I already own of those oh, games. Yeah. Um. Uh, so I was like, I have a disc of Prince of Persia: Sands of Time. So, and I, you know, like that would be a really good game to play for this stream. I'll just play that. Um. And I didn't have time to like kick the tires on it yesterday, so I started like prepping it at like nine this morning which is like an hour before my stream. Mm -hmm. uh, and I could not get the emulator to work even a little bit. Like most of the emulators, it'll be like, oh, the image will show up, but like no sound. Or the image will show up, but it's like weirdly glitchy. And then I can like Google those problems and figure it out. And this is like, it just doesn't even try to run it. And so I have no idea how to like troubleshoot that. So Huck pointed out like, hey, it's also on Steam. You could just buy it on Steam and, you know, stream it from there. And I'm like, all right, I'll do that. So bought it on Steam, um, installed it, discovered that it does not come with widescreen screen ratios. So you oh. have to, like, download a separate program to, like, mod it for widescreen, yep. um, which creates a, a an error with the fog textures that you then have to, like, you know, change your any file to fix and things like that. So got that all 
squared away, got it actually running, um, tried to start streaming it, uh, only to find that uh, Twitch was going nuts. I was, like, dropping frames like crazy. I was getting, like, a frame every 20 seconds or something like Ugh, that. Oh, Jesus, that's so, terrible. Yeah, so I tried, like, lowering the bitrate um, and, you know, like, way, way down, didn't really make much difference. In a, Eventually, I tried... Um, lowering the output aspect ratio to a lower aspect ratio and that seemed to fix it so I was like alright great it's mostly working and then I ran it and uh, it instead of my camera it just was like a green blank screen <gasps> um, and so and my version of OBS was fine like I could see it outputting the correct thing but on the stream feed it was just a blank green screen so I'm like, okay, that's a problem. Let me just, you know, quit and restart. So I re, you know, stopped the stream, restarted OBS. Um, seemed fine. Got into the game. Um, and it has settings for a controller, but I could not figure out how to get the it to register that there was a controller connected. And at that point, it was like an hour past when I was supposed to start my stream, and I'm like, fuck it, and I decided to stop. That's that's all extremely unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. So, yeah, today was technical problem Sunday. Yeah. So I might try nice. it again. Yeah, I might try it again next week. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, I've kind of started to get used to having my Sunday mornings back. Maybe I'll stop streaming. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's also valid, you know? I am I am considering that. You but can, I, can... I do enjoy streaming, and I enjoy having an excuse to, like, <clears throat> catch up on these older games that, you know, are classics and that I, like, should play. But the problem is it's really hard to get them working most of the time yeah. and especially now that like all the emulator sites are, like are have been at you know shut down basically yeah, from orbit pretty much so there's like not much i can do like i can play if it's a game that i have and i do have a couple games that i like have discs for and would happily play on the playstation emulator you know with my legit like paid for copy except i can't get it to fucking run yeah your, so next, unless... your next step is like buy a very expensive capture card and yeah, stream like, it natively not, yeah, from the I'm hardware. Not, I am not, like, a professional streamer. Yeah. I'm not making any kind of real money from my stream. So I'm not going to buy a capture card just yeah. to stream my TV. And so, like, at that point, it's like, well, guess I'm just done. The only other thing I would suggest is and I don't know if this would help the streaming issues, but I know that a lot of times if you buy these older games from good old games they are more stable than the steam versions and i'm not sure like if why that is if they have like if they do extra optimization on them or if it's just i know sometimes the steam overlay just ruins shit um but i, yeah, I guess you can try. i mean i can probably <laughs> you could probably Google yeah how to get the the game to register my controller uh, it's just a matter of like it takes time and I'd have to yeah. do some setup yeah which I you know I I probably will um, I'm gonna give it at least one more week to try and get it working I think um, but given that last time I tried to play 
Silent Hill 2, and that was also kind of a disaster. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, It's up in the air. More time for Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> More time for Kingdom Hearts and podcast games. <laughs> Basically. I I, I I am I am by the way on my third uh other streamers full Kingdom Hearts 3 playthrough. Whoa! I um I've I've now watched a fair chunk of the game because Everett has been playing it. He finished it this morning. Uh I, so I watched like some of the Disney Worlds and then as soon as he got into everything after the Disney Worlds last night, I just like noped out of the room. Yeah, I mean uh, it's <laughs> The whole end of the game is like a five-hour like closure fest of like trying to tie off the storylines of like all the other eight games that have come before. Yeah. So, so I I tried to not spoil myself on that, and also now that I have uh, access to his copies of 1.5, 2.5, and 2.8, I just started the series. Uh, I mean, I'd already played the first nice. one several years ago, but I. I played the first one. That's what I was doing, like, most of the week before last? After I got here. Um, and the, now... the nice part is that if starting at the beginning, the games are going to get better and better for you. Yeah. So. The only problem is... is so slow. Yeah. The only problem is that now I'm playing Chain of Memories. And I have been told that Chain of Memories will grow on me. At this point, I don't really believe it. But... I'm gonna give it the shake, the fair shake. Chain of Memories is one of those that I think it's legit to just watch a video of all the cutscenes if you want. Yeah, I've I've been told I can safely skip it, but there are there are three that you can skip because the gameplay is kind of garbage. Um, Chain of Memories is not as garbage. Uh, it's just weird. It's kind yeah. of funky and odd. Um, so Chain of Memories is one of them. Recoded is the one that like is pretty universally agreed that you can skip, um, because Recoded is also like, if you watch a video of that one, you don't even you can just watch like the beginning and the end, because the middle is entirely a rehash of Kingdom Hearts one. Oh. Um, and then uh, the uh, the the other one that's kind of is um, 358-2 Days, which has some really cool story stuff, but it has, like, a mission-based system for the gameplay yeah. that's just really repetitive. I know that that one's not great, but I think I have been told that in the remixes, I think it's Recoded and uh, 358 over 2 are both just the cutscenes. I know yeah, there's I two that are just, just the cutscenes, and I think it's those two. Yeah. So, that's fine. I just... I know that if I skip... Chain of Memories, I will get screech at by Everett. <laughs> well, Chain of Memories does a lot of important setting up for Kingdom yeah. Hearts 2. There's a lot of stuff that, like, is directly referenced in Kingdom Hearts 2 that's from Chain of Memories. Yeah, I feel like I should try to... I mean, I, I did at least, like, I knew that it was gonna be a little eh, so I did start this one on beginner mode, and it's the only one that I'm planning on playing on beginner mode. I just... Yeah, eh. It's a card-based battle system, so... Yeah. Sorry, Carl. I kind of want to play this series in reverse order. <laughs> just to get worse I've only played the first one, and then just... Go reverse order. Well, See how much more I understand of the story. See how long you can take it uh, before the gameplay gets too bad. 
it's the thing about it is it like Kingdom Hearts One is not an awful game, but it has like level design very reminiscent of its time, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is to say, not very polished. Yeah, there's a lot of like. What the fuck am I supposed to be doing next? I don't even. Yeah. Where am I supposed to go? That's the thing that I remember, like that that hit me the hardest going back to it was, man, a lot of these worlds are just wander around it until a cutscene triggers and then <laughs> yeah. do that again. Yeah. Long cutscenes before bosses. That are unskippable. Well, the, in the remix version, they're skippable. They are skippable, which was uh, in great. The, yeah. They fixed a few, like, of the really egregious things in the remix version. One of them being cutscenes are now skippable. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah. Uh, and the other being that there's a free, uh, free 360 camera, whereas before the camera was on, like, a set vertical plane and you could only rotate it. Yeah. I yeah. forgot about that. That's true. Um, so those are, yeah, so those two things are better. <laughs> um... Yeah, I, I actually panicked when I started it up because it doesn't let you skip pre-rendered cutscenes. So, like, the ones at the very beginning and the very end. And I was like, no, don't do this to me again. And then it didn't. Yeah. Uh, the, I'm trying to think, like, the, the Alice in Wonderland and the Tarzan one are, like, the most egregious... Like, what the fuck am I supposed to be doing next, I think. And they're the first two levels, yeah. so... I kind of liked Alice in Wonderland. Yeah? I don't you... know why, but... Did you get lost, though? A little bit, but not too bad. All yeah, right. those are... I, I felt like I uh, hugely benefited from the fact that I had played it before in those two worlds specifically. Because I at least had, like, an inkling of what I had to do. But, yeah. Yep, and you... Oh, man. It'll be exciting. You'll get to see the... All the character evolutions, how, like, Riku gets a really cool arc, and Kairi gets no arc whatsoever. Yeah, I'm really excited for Riku's big dumb redemption arc over the next (laughs) couple of games. It's the best. It's probably my favorite thing about the series. Yeah. Um, and then all the way to Dream Drop Distance, which is, the, I think, the best one. Yeah. That's still, still my favorite, but you'll get there. Let me, I'll let me, there. let me It'll... know. You'll have to, you'll have to keep us updated yeah. as, as the podcast progresses on like yeah. where you are in the series. Well, hopefully, I will have gotten through Chain of Memories in the next couple weeks. Okay. Maybe. I looked at how long to beat for it, too, and it's like, oh, it's a 20-something-hour game. To be fair, uh, it is, it's actually two games. Um, Because you play through the entire, you play through the game, and then it lets you play through the game again as Riku, which is, like, a completely different story. Yeah. um, And, like, utterly different cutscenes, so, and that one's a little bit shorter. So you need to play twice. Well, it's. I think the twenty hours probably includes both of those, if I had to guess. Probably, I would hope so. But oh. yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, that'll be yeah. But you look, listeners, you cannot escape the Kingdom Hearts <laughs> segment of the podcast. It it is unending. As soon as I finish it, then Carl will begin his quest to play the series in reverse, <laughs> and we'll get that whole perspective as well. Yep. 
I used to have to buy nine different consoles first. <laughs> you can just get the the remix compilations. Yeah. They're fine. I feel like I I'm, mean you wouldn't be I able to play the really get, awful like, ones. Two consoles for. Is it, are there are did they did they release like one big remix compilation for yeah. the PS4? Yeah. Yeah. That one's um that's what I'm playing. It's the story so far. Because apparently after they released the story so far, they just pulled 2.8. Interesting, really. Or maybe not, like, pulled it, but I guess it got a lot harder to find after that. Um, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. So The only downside is that, Carl, if you really want to experience the bad ones, then you would have to get, like, a DS for Recoded and... Uh, yeah, 358. Um, 358. I, mean, I do have a DS so there you go. You'd have to get a, just a DS copy of those those two games and yeah. the rest you play compilation. And I mean, the DS is super easy to um, to run ROMs off of, so there's that. Wink, wink. Yeah. I don't condone it. Wink, wink. <laughs> All right. So, Carl, besides planning your, your Kingdom Hearts reverse order, what have you been up to lately? Um, Not much. My sister was visiting, and we argued about math. <laughs> Is that what you usually do with your sister? Um, yeah. <laughs> Good. Um, I don't agree with, like, the romanticizing of math, where it's like, math is the language of the universe, and... So I you're, think, you're yeah. squarely in the middle. You also don't like... Uh, math hate, but you don't like too much math love. That's that's a, yeah, that's a I, fair I, I position. Like pretty much, you are I society for from... the appropriate amount of respect for math. I think they come from the right place, or from the same place, to some degree. I can see that. Like, it's like it, it ostracizes like people that don't, that don't think that way. I see. So you are you are for non extreme points of view on math. Yeah. Okay. But I she's can... she's the good one, she, so she's probably right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I can get behind non extreme uh, viewpoints on math. Good job. All right. Uh, it's like I'm trying to remember when it was that we, in what context we came up with the. Society for the appropriate amount of affection towards animals, um, which was like, don't don't be like PETA, but you know they're good and value them, but you know like also you got to consider that we do eat some of them. Yeah. And <laughs> I mean, I think I think it's it's even fair to like befriend the ones that you have to eat. Like I don't know. I I guess I come from a <laughs> a rural area so it's like I mean I never grew, I didn't grow up on a farm or anything but I know people who did and it's you know there's a whole anime about that is there called is Silver there Spoon only one? Oh, I've heard of that and I have not watched it yeah Silver Spoon is on Netflix I think um, I did it's fine um, <laughs> it's one of those anime that's sort of like semi-educational about like farm life uh, or at least Japanese farm life and kind of the struggles of the modern farm family hmm. it's fine yeah, um, I prefer Moyashimon which is about microbes 
um, which I, is also sort of about farming. I watched a little bit of that, I think, and I, I was actually, as you were describing Silver Spoon, I that's the first one that I thought of. I thought of that and, like, Cells at Work, which I haven't watched, but... Yeah, well, Yashimon's a lot weirder because it's about a kid who can who has, like, a superpower to yeah. see microbes. Yeah, <laughs> he can just see them. Yeah, they're just, like, cute little characters that, like, talk to him. It's weird, but fun? Yeah. I don't know. They also have little educational asides about, like, how fermentation works and how sake is brewed and things like that. Yeah, I I've been recently doing myself my my younger past self a favor, uh, and watching <laughs> and watching Fushigi Yugi, which I never watched oh, when I was no. a kid. It's oh no, bad. It's not very good. No. And I and I've watched like thirty episodes. Oh no! At this point, I'm I'm determined to finish it. I just I just remember reading about it when I was a kid, but. You know, when I was a kid, it was a lot harder to access anime. I, I looked this up the other day, this particular anime, because Huck and I were having an argument of whether Bishonen are traditionally more masculine or feminine. Um, and so I looked up Fushigi Yuji to, to argue for feminine. Um, and, uh, yeah, you were arguing for masculine Bishonen. I don't know what it was. Anyway, um... <laughs> He's in the room with me, by the way. I don't. I assume I'm on my headphone mic, so you probably can't hear him. But um, so so anyway, um, I can hear yeah. him trying to rebut your argument. <laughs> yeah, he does that in the background, which is annoying because I can't concentrate on speaking and listen to him at the same time. But I know that you guys can't really hear him very well. Uh, it's okay. He'll probably be on next week's podcast. Um, so yeah, I looked it up and I rem- I was uh, just like remembering it like I don't think I ever finished it, but I did read a summary of the ending and like it gets fucking dark. And it's like not a series that lends itself well to being dark. It does get pretty dark uh at at points like it gets pretty dark, but also there's a whole episode that is just wasted. Uh, this is one that I watched recently. There's a whole episode that's just wasted because, uh, I guess because the main character is a 15-year-old girl who can't, uh, doesn't know how to communicate with her significant other. So, like, they they just wasted a whole episode on both of them moping around when she could have just said, so this is what, this is what has happened. And instead she's like, no, I can't tell him. He can't know the truth. Of the, the of of why I have to uh, break up with him and pretend that I don't love him anymore, and that well by the end of the episode it's resolved because she just fucking says it. It's just so stu- it's so stupid. Yep. Also, isn't there like a a storyline about like her best friend gets raped? Yeah. It's like the second half of the series. Yeah. Yeah. Her her best friend like gets sucked into the world when she's back in the real world. Uh, and time passes more quickly in in the other world. Uh, so uh, the the main girl Miyaka was like back in Japan for like three hours or something, and uh, I think like several months passed. And uh, her friend Yui, they traded places because of magic. Uh, and uh, Yui was all alone, and she got abducted and raped. 
Uh, and that's why she becomes the villain of basically, like, the second half. Because her best friend, like, wasn't there to help her. And other stuff, but... Yeah. Yeah, it's fucked up. And then they're both in love with the same boy. And that's an entire arc of them yeah. just fighting over a boy. Like, it's... Oh, 90s girls, girl anime. Yep. It's not a great... I feel like Fruits Basket also had some, like, real weird, dark story twists that were kind of fucked up in retrospect. I know, but yeah. I didn't, I I didn't watch enough of, like, either of these, really, to... Or, uh, Oran High School Host Club has, like, a, a near-sexual assault moment that's pretty dark as well, oh, which it? is... Yeah. I don't even remember that. I did actually watch all of that one. Yeah. I don't remember. Any, it's been a long time. I don't remember the character's name, but it's actually, one. Sorry, go on. Oh no, it's just one of the guys that he's like. It's like one of the guys who has a thing for the girl, and then he's like, you know what? I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna take you by force, and then decides at the last minute not to. And it's, it's, it's a little raw, a little bit there. Yeah. Now that I think about it, uh, I also watched. Um... Not Yu Yu Hakusho. What was the the other one about death, uh, death gods? Um, Yami no Matsui. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, th- there's an entire character whose like whole thing is that he was like raped and killed, and that's like his entire personality is like his trauma over that. Yeah, actually, I I watched that after you mentioned it uh, a while like uh, a long time ago. That was a pretty good one. I liked that yeah, one. Yeah, that, that one actually is surprisingly good. <laughs> but man, there was a it, lot of like rape-related storylines yeah. in 90s anime. Yeah, it's, uh, that's the way you do angsty stuff, I, I guess. guess. Jesus. And I mean, I, Yu Yu Hakusho is just good. Like, I don't care. I don't think I don't think there's even any any anything particularly dark. It's just well, good. Okay. It's just a shonen anime, so it's just a series of increasingly difficult fights. Yeah. Like, that's, and that's the whole thing. It's, I like it. I like Yu Yu Hakusho quite a bit. That was one that I watched a bit of when it was on, like, Adult Swim back in the day. Not Adult Swim. Toonami? Yeah, Toonami. Yeah. Anyway, we should probably start the actual podcast. Yeah! We're getting real off the I mean... I love reminiscing about 90s anime, don't get me wrong, but we have some games to talk about. Oh, man. Kingdom Hearts? Yeah. (laughs) Yes. All right, back to Kingdom Hearts. All right, back to Kingdom Hearts. Uh, No, another beloved classic franchise, Legend of Zelda. Uh, So this is part two of our Four in February podcast. Um, You don't have to listen to part one first. They're all standalone games. I mean, we might make some references to last week's two games, but I don't think we will. And yes, we know it's March. Don't add us. Um, we played them during February. It's barely March. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, or at least we promised to play them during February. I don't know about you guys. I played them both yesterday. <laughs> I I played them both today. <laughs> there we go. I, I mean, one yesterday, one today. I mean, it is, it is. I am in a different time zone now, so it's like five thirty now. 
which is far earlier than I'm used to doing this, but yeah, it's fine. Um, 5.30 a.m.? P.m. Okay, I was, yeah, right, because you guys Wait. are like three hours ahead, right. Yes. Did Sorry. you think they were like 18 hours behind, or well, the I'm, East Coast is it a time warp? I'm just confused. That's Sorry. Fair. It's fine. Well, I was just thinking, like, I don't know. Five thirty seems really. I, well, you said you said earlier than you're used to doing it, and I'm like. Did I say earlier? That... I meant later. Yeah. Okay, that's where my confusion yeah. point was. I did not even realize that I said earlier. Whoops. Okay. All right. Problem settled. Point is, listen, we played Triforce. Yeah, we played we played it. We sure did. Um, yeah, so Triforce is a free Itch.io game uh, by uh, Patrick Lemieux and Stephanie Bullock. Um, and it is very difficult to describe what it is. Uh, it's a it's a game about the it, like the interesting properties of 2D versus 3D geometry. Uh, but skinned with, like, Legend of Zelda, the original Legend of Zelda. Um, so it's it's presented, I guess, as, like, three kids playing Legend of Zelda because there's, like, a little voiceover, not voiceover, but, like, a little text thing, conversation between three characters where they're talking about playing the game, and they get into, like, some interesting topics like the the way that you kind of don't understand the game exactly when you're a kid and you make assumptions that like you you find out later as an adult kind of don't make sense um <clears throat> or the way that like rumors develop that there's secrets in the game and you you know try and try on them before uh you know you you eventually realize that it's not actually a real thing uh, which I definitely had some of those. Maybe we can share our like favorite incorrect oh, childhood yeah. game rumors. Um, the, the the clear like my my uncle who works at Nintendo type lies. Yeah, I have a, I have a story about that actually, but that uh, can be for later. Yeah, and so the um, between these little like text segments, um, you play bits like weirdly remixed bits from the original Legend of Zelda and there are three dungeons uh, and they all follow the same format format one is you have to get into the dungeon uh, or part one is you have to get into the dungeon by navigating a space that's on a weird geometry um, <clears throat> uh, one of them is a cube and two of them are is it is it Taurus or Toroid? I was gonna look it up before Taurus, this started Taurus. and I yeah. failed. Yes, okay, Taurus, a donut. You're on a donut, and but the like 2D map of the game is laid out on that shape. It's tough to describe without seeing it. Uh, I would recommend checking it out if if you're at all interested in like topology, <laughs> mathematical topology. Um, but yes, yeah, so two of them are Tauruses and one is a cube. You get into the dungeon, then there's a segment where you have to fight some enemies uh, on a weird space, a weird wraparound space. Uh, so one of those is a cube, one of them is a cylinder, and one is a sphere. Uh, and then they each end with you have to get to the Triforce in a dark room, and the dark room hides the fact that you're, you're on a three-dimensional shape of some kind, but because 
the shape is mostly black. You can't see its edges. So you don't really know the topology of the or the the sort of. You can't see the shape from the outside. The, your only clue is following the topology on the two D plane. And those uh, those are I don't maybe hard. yeah maybe I'm just like misinterpreting the space. But some of those seem like they're actually like those one dimensional shapes, like they're Mobius strip. Mm-hmm. Yeah, type yeah things. it looked like some kind of Mobius strip going on there, but yeah, it's it's impossible to see. Yeah, yeah. So it, yeah, it's it, just dark. It gets confusing on those. Yeah. yeah, and meanwhile, in a lot of the the places, they're playing audio that's like the Legend of Zelda track like looped over itself multiple times in a way that's just really jarring and <laughs> unpleasant. Yeah, there, there's a whole segment of this game too where they talk about like, like one of the characters who's speaking in the sort of interstitial bits like gets a gets a tummy ache, gets some yeah. motion sickness, and I I had a headache after I finished this game. Yeah, I could see that. It's it is kind of like brain disorienting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like a little, it's a little pushing. Um, the did. So in the one of the interstitial parts, there's also a very brief text-based maze. I'm not sure if you have to do it, uh, depending on what text answer you do, but you definitely can do it. I got it both times. Oh, I didn't get it either, or I didn't. Okay. Well, I didn't get it. Yeah, I didn't get it. Okay. Yeah, there's one where it's like if I think it's in it's I think it's in the scene where he talks about getting a stomachache. If you reply like dot 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 or something, they say like it's okay. We'll uh like. We'll read to you, we'll read it to you for a bit, and then it's like you're in a desert. Like which way do you want to go? Like northeast, west, oh, south, cool. or whatever. And it's a brief maze. That's kind which of is, neat. Yeah. Yeah. It's it is about as fun as you know mazes in text adventures generally are, um, which is why, why does every text adventure have a maze? Have a maze uh, because mazes are really fun to design. They're awful to play, but they are fun to design. <laughs> I guess. Uh, the, the Mostly Walking has this conversation all the time because they play so many old games that have dumb mazes in it. And that was the conclusion they came to. Was like It was just a thing that was in these games. And to some extent, it became such a staple that like everyone had to have one because it's, it was just a thing that was in these types of games mm-hmm. but also their theory was that like the reason it became popular is because mazes are really fun to build even if they suck to play especially in text yeah um yeah so and, and it's also like i guess it's a pretty good like instead of having a locked door and a key you have a maze and a solution yeah it's yeah, yeah it's another kind of common puzzle that like people sort of get like they understand how to interface with it, uh, which is actually a thing that I wanted to bring up about this game, um, which is I feel like we should talk about the pros and cons of skinning this with Legend of Zelda, because you can do you could have done this with like any game or like a game that didn't already exist if you wanted to. Like, this kind of exploring 3D geometry via a 2D plane is, like, an interesting concept that could have any theme, narratively. So, like, what did you guys think about the legend, the choice of Legend of Zelda? 
Uh, I think I think it ties into the idea of uh, how experiencing games differently as a child than you mm. do as an adult, and kind of going back and reminiscing about uh, you know how you experience the game and and those rumor secret rumor things that that pop up that you know pop up a lot less because of how the internet just is now so um, the idea of like 2d versus 3d as like a remix aesthetic and that matches like remixing the content the narrative content yeah i think um i, I was also like reading the comments on the itch itch.io page and actually somebody uh brought that up uh with with respect to like please don't get uh uh C&D by Nintendo and they they talked about that this game was actually a companion piece to a book that they wrote hmm. um so that they are doing it under fair use but they also mentioned that they're going or that they had plans or still have plans to release the game but instead of Legend of Zelda it's children's drawings as huh. as the sprite work which i thought interesting. was interesting yeah that sounds fascinating actually yeah uh i think it's it was interesting to me that like on the one hand it's really useful because there's so many shorthands that you already have in terms of like I know what a staircase looks like and does, and mm-hmm. I know what these enemies are, and I know, like, what the Lost Woods is, and, you know, like, there's a bunch of stuff that doesn't have to be explained because you already know what Legend of Zelda is. Uh, but on the other hand, they're also, I felt like they felt obligated to do combat, which d- did not improve the experience. <laughs> I would At agree. least for me. I would agree. Especially in that, um, in the cube dungeon. Yeah, fuck the cube. It took me a long time because I didn't realize that you had to kill all of the enemies on that map. Because prior to that point, your instruction had been, uh, take whatever path you want. So yeah. I thought that if I just wandered around this cube maze, uh, eventually... I would get out of it. And that was not the case. Wait. Well, which cube You don't maze? have to kill every single the, cube. The gray one where your controls get messed up the longer you're on it. Oh, uh, the yeah. dungeon. The, yeah, yeah, so the, the, dungeon. the combat part of that dungeon, right? Yeah. Yeah, because you can go... You can avoid killing the enemies in the previous cube where you're, like, just getting into yeah, the Yeah, I dungeon, guess calling it a cube but... maze was not a very helpful... Uh, <laughs> There's more than one not very helpful. in this game. Yeah. There are uh, several. But yeah, the, the, like, the six-faced in dungeon interior where you have to kill the little armored dudes, and you can't kill them via like distance, like ranged sword shots. You have yeah. to get up close and, and kill them. And I died like three or four times trying to do that because I'm just bad at getting close to them without taking damage. Yes. The first controls are fun. Yeah, no. Yeah, so they do that a lot because if you, you know, the controls just remain the same. They they're not relative to the direction you're facing. So you can be if you happen to get yourself in a state where you're upside down on a plane, then left is right and right is left, and it's just like, ugh. or sometimes like up is left, and you're like, no. Yeah. 
Actually, what I what I ended up doing was letting myself die and redoing it in such a way that I maintained my heading so that yeah. my directions, my controls never got flipped, and that Wait, helped. Wait, aren't you forced to do it? Mm, no. No. I got I got through it um, without... Oh, I thought you were... Through. You could do, like, four sides, like, on a dice. I think what I did was, like, I... I at the start, I went to the left, then I went back to the center, and then I went to the right, and then for the rest of them, I just went, like, down continuously. So yeah, I was so, never yeah, rotating do, it in a do, weird way. If you do all of your horizontal rotations first, and then do all of your vertical rotations in one direction, you can do it without fucking up the camera. <laughs> Uh, or the control scheme. You I, you can't do that, however, on the dungeon where you have to fight them on a sphere, because towards the edges of the sphere, you always get at a weird angle, no matter what. Yeah. And by edges of the sphere, I guess I mean, like, the poles of the sphere. Yeah. The sphere really destroyed me, because everything <laughs> in my mind tell, told me that I that the controls should be, like, reversed. <laughs> yeah. So like you're rotating an object, not. Oh like, yeah. Mhm. Mm like when you're in a 3D program and you rotate an object. Yeah. You pull left for it to go. Yeah. Or, I... You rotate the object instead of rotating or change the camera. Yeah. Yeah. I I also didn't use the mouse to rotate things just because I ended up constantly clicking out of the window and I just got sick of it. Oh, I, I full screen. Yeah, I probably should have done that. Yeah, and I think I... I ended up using the keyboard as well, just because I felt like I had a little more precise control over it that way. Yeah. But there were a lot of times when it felt like the controls did not do what I expected them to do, and the only place that felt okay was in the dark rooms where you can't see the topology, because that's like an intentionally confusing, like you're not supposed to know what the shape what the shape of the space is um but everywhere else it just and i mean it it did make those segments a lot harder too uh but in the other ones it felt incorrect yeah i don't know it's a cool it's a cool experiment it's an interesting experiment um it's but it's not like it's not something i would pick up and play for fun necessarily it's yeah. I'm glad that it was the length that it was. I'm glad that it wasn't a. I don't want to say a full game. This is a full game, but you know, a a multi-hour experience. Game. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. I don't know if my like head slash stomach could have lasted for any longer. And I played it twice because if you beat it the first time, they give you the option of playing again, but with bombs instead of a sword. Uh, which I did, and it's much harder with bombs. Mm. Uh, except for the the armor cube. That's much easier with bombs. Yeah, I guess that's true. That would make sense. There, there might be like a secret wall somewhere that you can bomb if you have the bombs, but if so, I did not find it. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. I, I, it occurred to me to check, but also like I don't know what happens if you just run out of bombs. Um, they give you new bombs on each of the... Like, every time you win... A dungeon you start with full bombs and then uh, every time you get to one of the the combat sequences they give you 
I think seven or eight more bombs um, so that, you know, in case you were running low, but it's still like, you, that's still enough, not enough bombs to go like bombing every square on the overworld. Yeah. Uh, it occurred to me that if I had played the original Legend of Zelda more like recently or regularly, I might know from those maps where the bombable areas were. Yeah, maybe, but they're not like it's not the same map. Well, but the overworld map is the same as like a little section of the the real um, thing, isn't it? Maybe no. I'm misremembering. Like the first area and like the area straight up and the area straight to the right. Yeah. No, only the area straight right up. I think it's it looks exactly the same. Okay. Well, but I guess so it's like, knows? I guess it's kind of closed off versions of them. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a closed circuit because they only want to let you go to these like three little spaces. Um, and I mean, for what it's worth, they do some interesting stuff. I especially liked the things that were on the Tauruses. Um, the like the Lost Wood sequence was kind of like a oh, that's like a neat way of conceptualizing the like infinite scrolling screens of the Lost Woods. Yeah. Like, very cute. Um, but, yeah, it's an appropriate length and an appropriate price, which is to say short and free. <laughs> yes, I would agree with that. Um, so what So what are some fun, like, weird game misconceptions that you had as a kid, or weird rumors? Uh, so my story about weird rumors is I have a friend who claims to have started the rumor... Uh, of the silver chocobo in FF7 in forums back in the late 90s. Interesting. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's true or not, but I don't know. That's that's my story. I have a friend who claims to have started the myth of the silver chocobo. Is the uh, is the um is is the myth just that it exists? Yeah, it's uh, hang let me. Or was there like one of those like specific sequence of things yeah, that you had to do it was to get that. it? Let me see if I can find it. Um, it's always one of those. Like, yeah. If okay. you do yeah, this crazy um, thing. You have to feed and breed two S-class chocobos. There's a small chance you'll receive the silver chocobo. It's capable of traveling underwater and in space, depending on who you ask. Um, nice. Yeah. Let's see, what else? Uh, breed two gold chocobos with a Sahara nut, and mate two maxed out gold chocobos uh, with a speed of 170 with a carob nut, then mate the baby with one of the maxed out chocobos with a Zeo nut, ensure that they are at class S, and the baby chocobo has the same speed as its parents. So, <laughs> and, the, yeah, and there, so are, there are several uh, different colors of chocobo that... Probably don't exist. Yeah. I love rumors like that. I had one, a friend at school, and I, like, I don't know why I believed this. I think I was, like, a freshman in high school, so I was, like, 15 or something, so way too old to believe this. But I was a very credulous kid. Um, a friend told me that there was a secret way in Final Fantasy X to unlock Goku as a playable character. Oh, no! <laughs> And I was, like, skeptical enough that I demanded that she give me, like, uh, 
a thumb drive that, or like a, a not a thumb drive, but like a memory card that had a save file on this on it where she had done this, mm. so I could see. And she did, to her credit, she did bring a memory card to school, and I like took it home and put it in, and it was just a normal, like. Final Fantasy X save on Mount Gagazet. No Goku's in sight. No Goku. And so I was like, uh, you know, I played this and it didn't do the thing you said. And she's like, oh, I don't know, maybe it didn't work on yours or something. Maybe it's because, like, I'm playing with, like, a Game Shark. <laughs> like, what? On a PS2? Hmm. Yeah. All uh, the, all the uh, rumors that I interacted with were, like, Pokemon ones. Uh, oh, yeah, those are great. Which, which I now know are basically forcing the game's internal memory to uh, rewrite itself so that you get things that you shouldn't get or encounter things that you shouldn't encounter, which is really bad for your game. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> actually, yeah, I... Yeah, you should see some of the um, games done quick speedruns of the Pokemon games. Oh. The, the glitch ones are, are absurd. They're basically like programming the game. <laughs> Yeah, I, I actually, I don't know. Money's messed up. I don't know if I'd be able to find it again, but I found a whole, like, really in-depth write-up of those kinds of glitches and how they work and what they're doing to the game's memory and the ways in which it can just ruin your cartridge. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was really interesting, and I, I, like I said, I don't know if I'd be able to find it again, but if I do... That's something I will probably put on Twitter. Yeah, that sounds neat. Was uh, that the one they did during AGDQ that sort of crashed a lot of Twitch servers? I don't know. I don't know. There was uh, I know I've seen one uh, that was like a a task run of it was Pokemon Blue or something where they just. Um, like, they go to a certain Pokemon Center, and then they go, like, down and to the left and fish in a certain way, and then they're teleported to the Elite Four. Oh. They're, yeah. like, they go down it's and really they, easy. they fight, like, Missing No in a weird place, not the usual place where everyone fights Missing No. Uh, hmm. And it, yeah, and when they're done, it just teleports them, like, to the end of the game. Yeah. I did, I did abuse Missing No for uh, Infinite Rare Candies when I was a it's child. A it's amazing how uh, consistent that one was. Yeah. Because a lot of these glitches end up being, like, very hard to get or, like, very inconsistent. But this one was, like, the one that everybody knew about and could tell you the exact repro steps for. Yeah, I could, like, if you handed me a Game Boy and a copy of Pokemon, I could still do it, probably. <laughs> yeah. The, uh... The, I, the consistent Pokemon rumors that I remember uh, are that if you hold uh, up and B while the Pokeball, while yes. throwing the Pokeball, it increases your chances of catching the Pokemon. Um, and the, the truck on Cinnabar Island, that mm -hmm. like if you can get to it and use strength to move it, there's like something important secret under it. Like Mew is there or, you know, something <laughs> yeah, like that. So it's like Mew is hiding underneath the truck. Yep. And it's like, mm, you can't get to that truck. Yeah. I feel like there was one involving like getting back on to the uh the SS Ann after after you're sort of locked out of it. I don't know, something yeah. to that effect. Muse there. Muse in a there trash. Was, there was a lot of muse mew rumors. Yeah. Yeah. Which I mean my buddy had a mew. 
because it was like it, you could sort of send in your cartridge to Nintendo. Yeah, yeah, there was a promotion. Get it? Yeah, it's a. Uh... It's fun, and it seems very appropriate that it's Mew, because, right, like, that was, like, the legendary Pokemon that no one was sure existed uh, kind of thing. Yeah, and then later on, uh, when when Gold and Silver were uh, in development and some of that art had shown up in places, that it was like, here's how you get Pika Blue in, <laughs> in the game. Oh, Pika Blue. That that was not no it was a uh, Pokemon Yellow that had the surfing Pikachu right? Uh, I think so. Um, I don't remember. That was a that was a weird promotional thing, where it was like a Pikachu that you could teach surf. Um, oh yeah yeah yeah. And it was like I think there was like at one of the computers you could if you had that you could play like a weird surfing Pikachu mini game or something. Oh that I don't know about. I don't know. There was some. There was some way that you could see the picture of like Pikachu surfing, um, but I don't. I did. I didn't uh, ever have one, so I don't know all the details. Well, I shouldn't know this because I had the had Pokemon Yellow. Yeah, so did I. I don't remember. Well, it was it was another one of those like it was the surfing Pikachu was like a promotion specific thing. Yeah. That like you couldn't get in the course of the normal game. Um, I, I but... like that Nintendo still kind of does that, where they'll have, you know, spot pass days where if you go to a GameStop, you can get whatever. Mm -hmm. I, I like that they're sort of yeah. keeping that alive. There's a, there's a guy on YouTube who does, like, a series of videos about this kind of thing. Uh, Picaspray, I think his name is. Um, and his, so it's like P-I-K-A-S-P-R-E-Y, I think. And he just does a bunch of videos about, like, weird hidden things in Pokemon games or, like, all of the old weird promotional cartridges that exist for Pokemon for, like, various, uh, you know, worldwide promotions or Japan-only promotions or things like that. And some of them are fascinating. Some of them I didn't know about at all. There's one, like, super weird one where you had to, like, tune into a TV channel at a certain time in Japan. I don't know. Oh, yeah, there was a whole console, and that's just yeah. what the games were. Um, and they're still uncovering, trying to, you know, recover ROMs of those games because they're just gone. But if, yeah. I guess if you had the console or you had whatever you needed to, to do that, and you... Like, you haven't loaded another game onto it, you can still access that game from the cartridge. So that's, like, people are trying to... Or at least were at one point. Yeah. I don't know about now, since... Trying again, to recover it. Yeah. Yeah, so I think he did, like, a survey of those types of things. And some of it's incredibly fascinating. Uh, but, yeah. I don't know. Um, there's, shoot, there's something else I was gonna... Bring up about these. Oh no, I was gonna tangent utterly. Uh, have you guys seen the new Detective Pikachu trailer? I didn't watch the new trailer, but I did see. I did watch the direct where they announced the new games. Oh man, I am. I am. Are very you? Are you on board Detective with Detective Pikachu? Pikachu? I am super on board with it. I. It's it's either going to be amazing or so terrible that it's amazing. Like it's win-win. It, <laughs> like, it looks like it looks like. 
regardless of anything else, it's gonna be fun. Yep. And that's what I'm here for. I mean, I I was on the Detective Pikachu game for several years before the game was even released in the United States. I still haven't played the freaking game. I want to. It is a game for small children. <laughs> uh, I still enjoyed it. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. It's it's ah. it's cute. I don't know. I like I like those sorts of games where it's you get to see more of just kind of how the world works outside yeah. of the lens of I must train them to fight. Yes. That's why I really liked the the Pokemon Ranger games actually. I didn't uh, play any of those. I've I've looked at them though. They're like you get you get a Pokemon to help you like for a specific task and then it goes away. So you like can sort of catch Pokemon, but you don't have them purposefully like permanently. You just have your partner Pokemon and then mm. you have a Pokemon that will join you until you ask it to do something. Huh. Um, also you catch Pokemon by hypnotizing them with a top, but you know <laughs> whatever. I guess there's lots of ways to catch a Pokemon. Yep. There's also the Pokemon Mystery Dungeon series, of mm -hmm. which I've played only one, but that's, like, where you play as, as the Pokemon. As Pokemon. Yeah. There's so much Pokemon in the world. There is. Uh... Um, but we're, we are actually talking about Legend of Zelda and not Pokemon, but that's eh, okay. It's fine. Uh, yeah, so Triforce... Interesting game. I so the 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 three like kids who are talking in the interstitial segments have the initials uh, L G and Z. I assume sort of implying that they are Link, Ganon, and Zelda. I guess. Yeah. Which is actually kind of fun to think about, like the three of them as kids, like playing at a console. Yeah. Or I kind of want like fan art of that. <laughs> Yeah, there was one kid who mentioned like their parents played the game when they were when they were well not when they were young but their parents playing the game together and it's like did their parents name their child Link? <laughs> did their parents name a child Ganondorf? That would be wild. Yep. Ganon sounds like Ganon sounds like it could be the name of a, a kid. It could, but Ganon's the pig, pig form. Yes. So. If you want to do it right, you have to go all in and name your child Ganondorf. But, like, Ganondorf is definitely the, the name that it's way easier to get made fun of for having as a child. Yeah. I feel like. Because, I mean, you know, it's one letter away from Ganondorf. So, oh, like, that's true. You know, yeah. what, are you, <laughs> what are you asking just for? Just imagine really? that you have a child and you name it Ganondorf, and then they just grow up to be a big, weak-ass nerd. <laughs> yep. What a terrible fate. Uh, all right. Um, any anybody have anything else to say about uh, Triforce? Uh, silver chocobos? No. We uh, um, we'll, we'll. It was confusing. Yeah, it's we linked it in the show notes for the previous podcast, um, or at least on the Twitter for the previous podcast. So if you want to try playing it. Um, you can find it pretty easily. You can also search Itch.io for, like, Triforce Topologies of Zelda, um, and you'll probably find it. So I'm, I'm curious to see the version with kids' drawings as the art, 
Like I I would be really fascinated to see that. Yeah, I'll I don't know, I'll have to dig and see if that was ever if that ever came to fruition or not. Yeah. Alright. But that was only one of two games that we played with interesting geometry mm-hmm. this week. Kelsey, you wanna tell us about the other one? Uh yeah, the other one, which uh we alluded to a little bit on the last episode, we played uh Monument Valley, which is a mobile game that uses sort of non-Euclidean uh, M.C. Escher-esque geometry. Yeah, it's very clearly, like, heavily Escher-inspired. Yeah. Um, and it was made by Us Two Games, uh, and which includes uh, Ken Wong, who did Florence, which we played last time. Yeah. And it's uh, it came out a while ago, didn't it? It came so. out 2014. So, yeah, there's a sequel. Yeah. There's a sequel and an expansion pack, uh, side story thing DLC. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which I I replayed uh, all of the main one for this and uh, like the beginning of Ida's Dream and the beginning of two, of Monument Valley two, just to kind of remind myself a little bit about them. Oh yeah, I didn't play I didn't play Ida's Dream. I probably should have. I could have, but I did uh, not. Th- yeah, that one is free. I didn't replay Forgotten Shores because I wasn't gonna buy it again. Yeah, but because uh, I have it somewhere on my old iPad that doesn't work, uh, so. Uh, but yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Continue no, no. with. That's uh, I think I feel like I said said the stuff, so. So yeah, it's very Escher inspired. You play as Princess Ida, um, on a journey of forgiveness, I guess. Um, I don't know. The plot is one of those like very abstract ones that it's a little bit take what you want from it mm-hmm. <laughs> sort of things uh, they talk about like she's gone in search of forgiveness there's a thing about the sacred geometry and someone having stolen the sacred geometry there's a thing about like the, the society of the past that has broken down and died and all that's left are their monuments um, I feel but... like that someone trying way too hard to make like a complex narrative to this game maybe it's just me I, I, I would actually argue it's rather than trying way too hard it's sort of the opposite right it's like rather than trying to make a story that is that is complex and like holds together and works it's just assembling a, a series of images that give feelings or like ideas and moments that give a certain feeling and not trying to connect them in any cohesive way. Yeah, I I got a lot of... Uh, this game reminded me of Gris in a lot of ways. Uh, a lot yeah. of the like, color palettes and, and uh, shapes of the architecture, but also that. And I feel yeah. like Gris has a little... has more of... you know, it's more of a story. But... It's certainly more focused. It yeah. has like pretty much one theme that it's communicating whereas mm-hmm. this one sort of has like maybe three or four yeah it is gorgeous though it's gorgeous and very like moody and like just i i enjoy it a lot i i started with criticisms of it but i really do love this game yeah no it's 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 really enjoyable and i i, I wish that i didn't have to play it on my phone where my screen is <laughs> same uh, oh no! Yeah, I need to get a new phone, but it's still, I mean, it works just fine. There's just, it's not like a big old shatter. It's just like a crack across it, so. 
I will survive. Yeah. I I got to play it on iPad, so I had a little bit more screen yeah. real estate. But it's it's really beautiful, and it's the puzzles are not hard for the most part. Yeah. The, like it it only gets a little bit hard at like the very end. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more of the like click on things until the thing that you want happens if you can't like sit and think it out pretty much the only times that it, I felt like it got really hard like most of the time it was just I was not observing carefully enough Same. and I didn't realize there was like s- another way I could go or another door or another button it's a it's a puzzle game where you have to rearrange the scenery to make a clear path for the character um, but the way you rearrange the scenery is very it's all isometric so the um, you can make a lot of interesting impossible geometry like Escher style triangles that like connect in onto themselves on the wrong side or staircases that go up forever mm-hmm. or you know waterfalls that dip into themselves kind of thing yeah I mean a lot of these puzzles have like you can do them by process of elimination mm-hmm. you have like one thing to do one thing to do yeah yeah, so it's, eh. Um, like I remember the first time I played it, thinking to myself, like, oh, I wish they'd made more use of the impossible geometry mechanic. I felt like they only did that, you know, a couple times, and the rest was all just, like, buttons and switches. Uh, but then I played it again this time, and I think, like, maybe I just didn't notice how often the geometry was impossible the first time I played it. It's Yeah, it's really easy to just kind of overlook it, because you you configure it in a way that there's a path and then you just don't think about how that path shouldn't couldn't shouldn't exist make sense. yeah i mean when i played it now i had this thing where i i sort of forgot about the impossible geometry maybe yeah. they took a break from using it for a while and then i got sort of stuck and i was like how do i solve this you gotta... because i i just forgot gotten about about the fact this. that it, you could configure it to, to match parts that don't match I mean I was like but I need a ladder to get up there no you can just turn the path so it goes back on itself and then it's suddenly at a higher plane if I only like, I, life was that simple I like that it makes use of the weirdness that is the isometric perspective because that's like that's this is why platforming is so god awful in an isometric perspective is because it's so hard to judge like height and depth mm-hmm. with that particular type of camera and it's great to me that someone like decided to take that and make it a mechanic yeah and to make it feel nice to do yeah um there's <sighs> There's at least one thing that I, I, replaying the first one, I missed from the second one, um, which is that at the second one, at the end of each level, they let you make a little mandala. Um, I think that's what they're called. Like, these little, uh, you get to draw this shape, and it, like, automatically, like, draws it at, at, like, four other points Mm -hmm. in order to make, like, a weird spiral design. Um, And it, it feels, like, really, really pleasant, and the designs always look pretty cool for the most part and so as I was replaying this one I'm like oh I just want to be like rewarded 
withdrawing a thing, <laughs> even though, like, now all I get is, like, these weird pieces of geometry pop out of the character's hat and go <laughs> go stand on a pedestal. Well, you know, can't win them all. It's fun doing that, like, in Maya, too, where you can you can have several instances of a thing that you're modeling, and it just populates Jeez. across several axes. I don't nice. like 3D modeling, but that's that's cool to just dick around with. <laughs> no. Um, it's like spirographs, but not. Kind of. Oh, I forgot about spirographs. They're a thing that existed. <laughs> At some point. Um, I mean, I don't have a ton to say about Monument Valley other than it's freaking gorgeous. <laughs> and I, it's it's a great concept. Yeah, I I mean, it's a classic for a reason, I guess. Modern classic. I mean, I will say, it's going to sound bad, but I didn't really have fun with Monument Valley. I felt like, like it was super gorgeous, mm-hmm. but I was just clicking at stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I think it's... I So when I played it this time, I played it all in one sitting which is not the way I played it originally, and I would recommend not playing it all in one sitting. Because I, I think it's very much a game that's... Yeah, as you say, like it's not really about fun, it's not about its gameplay so much as it's about its mood. Um, and it's good to like play that mood for a little bit and then like let it sit and kind of contemplate it and think on it for a little bit and then play some more for a little bit. Um when I when I rampaged through it, I felt like it it was too it was somehow sort of too much all at once, and it kind of got lost in the noise a little bit. Um, I don't know, maybe that's just me, but uh, I'm interested I, to play it now and take some time because I played it all. I, I raged <laughs> through it today, so yeah, I think playing like one level at a time. I'm like one level per day or something might actually be like a really nice way to do it yeah see the plan was that i was gonna play this while while we were driving and then i forgot to do that (laughs) and also Uh, that would have been basically two weeks ago so then i would have had to play it again (laughs) the uh and the second the second game is about uh ida's mother and ida as a child Hmm. um going through some of these interesting spaces and it was also very cool. I remember, um, I remember the other games being cool. I also like the most poignant sequence um, that I remembered from these games. It turns out was not in the first one. I'm like, oh no! I was like looking forward to seeing that scene again. Um, which is in the first game, you make a friend called Totem, who is a tower of blocks. He's a nice boy. I love Totem. Uh, in fact, Huck got me a Totem plushie for my birthday. Aww. So I have, he's got like little rotatable segments. Oh, that's good. I like that. Um, yeah. And so <clears throat> there's, there's a section in the first game where like Totem follows you into the sea. Uh, and then uh, like later comes out of the sea to help you again. Uh, but in one of the other games, and I don't know if this is in Forgotten Shores or if it's in the sequel, um, but like Totem gets actually wrecked. Um, like Totem gets broken apart into little blocks, um, and I think he get he actually gets like lowered into lava or something like that. It's something like, like Terminator. No, Totem! Oh, does yeah. he does he stick a little hand like, out and give you a thumbs up? 
well, he has no hands or thumbs. But, uh, but, so he gets, uh, like, he gets, I think he gets, like, drowned in lava or something. But then later, you find, you find him again, but he's all broken apart into his little component blocks, and there's a level where you have to reassemble him into a tower. Oh, that's good. That's really and good. it's great. It's a great little level. And I'm like, oh, man, I should keep replaying them until I find that level again. Huh. I, I like Totem. Totem is my favorite. Well, I, don't, I was going to say Totem is my favorite part of the game, but I also really like the crows. <laughs> there's, a, there's some antagonists which are bothersome crows. And if you get close to them, they just squawk they at just you. They just screech until you move which away. Is, which is a great, you know, enemy in a game where, like, damage is not a thing. Like, all they do is they block the way that you're trying to move and they scream at you. There's there's one that will uh, undo a switch that you have pushed if you let it. <laughs> yeah. Which is, I, I don't know, I yeah. like that. I thought that was cute and unexpected. Yeah, every time it notices that you, like, hit the switch and moved away, it's like, hey! And it, like, comes back and switches the switch again. Yeah. Um, the... They're, they're, they're introduced as, like, the bothersome crows or the bothersome crow people or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it turns out, spoilers, they are actually your people, because you are the princess of the crows. Um, and you just have to, like, wake them up. They're punished for stealing the geometry question mark I guess I've forgotten who they are there's also a great segment where you pass by a mirror and you see yourself as the princess of the crows which I remember seeing being like what the fuck is that yeah I, what was really cool this time around was I didn't remember I didn't notice until I was leaving that segment that that was a mirror and not like someone just copying my movements hmm. and as as I was leaving I'm like oh shit that was a mirror. Oh right, I'm Princess of the Crows. <laughs> yeah, I was. I was sure that was gonna be like one of those puzzles where you move in one direction and something else moves in the opposite direction, and you have to manage the other. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then it yeah. wasn't, and I was pleased because I, I mean, it, do not like it those is puzzles. a thing. It is a thing where like you see the in the mirror view, you can see parts of the path that you can't see in the normal view. So you kind of have to use both to figure out like yeah. how the path comes together. But um, yeah, no, that was a cool one. And the, their design for for her as Queen of the Crows is just really rad. She just looks really cool. Yeah. And uh, yeah, when you return all the sacred geometry to its sacred pillars, then all the crows get to wake up and become colorful birds again, and you all fly away together. Yep. It's nice. It's nice. It's somewhat nonsensical and, like, surreal, but it's nice. It makes enough internal sense, I feel like. You know, it's like you can can string it together and be like, oh, that's what happened. It's not entirely disparate. And it's, in a weird way, like, I'm okay with stories that don't have a consistent logical through line if they have a consistent emotional through line. As long yeah. as I understand the emotion that I'm supposed to be having in each scene, and it's like not an emotion that really annoys me, yeah. um, then then I I tend to be okay with it. I tend to like forgive it for not actually having a, a good story. Yeah, that's fair. Or at least a sensible one. Yeah. I don't, know. I don't have a whole lot else to say. 
Carl, anything to add? Mm, I wish there was more puzzles, like yeah. stuff that they actually like sit down and play a level for a bit longer. Because mm -hmm. it's it's cool moving around in these environments, but you quickly pass on to the next. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Like the the environments are really gorgeous, and you don't spend a ton of time with each one. Uh, I did spend. I did actually get stuck on one level in Ida's dream, which is why I didn't end up finishing it. Oh. Uh, um. So that one's got at least one or two kind of challenging puzzles in it. Hmm. Um. But yeah, the main game itself is is pretty simple. Uh, and I think it's designed to just be accessible for people who don't. Oh, that's something that, that, that would be interesting to talk about. It's, I think it's designed to be as accessible as possible for people who don't normally play video games. Yeah. Um, and so they do. They try and do a lot of queuing with like being consistent about what types of things are clickable. <clears throat> right? Like they put the mm -hmm. same kind of handles and stuff on things to let you know that like, hey, this is the queue for you can touch this and move it around. Um, but I remember showing this game to my mom, and she, like, even with those, what would seem to be very clear signaling, she often had a lot of hard time interpreting what in a given scene she could manipulate versus not. Mm. Um, so, like, that's a very real thing. If you're, if you're not, it's a very, very easy game if you're a person who is used to playing games. Um, but if you're not a person who is used to puzzle games, then just like finding your way through interfacing with the interactive object might in itself give you enough time with each level. Hmm. Yeah, I guess I guess thinking about it, like knowing that the the circles on a surface represent interactivity might be a little a little bit of a like it's not as obvious as here's a big crank thing. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, they have generally like two or three signals. Um, things with circles on them can be slid back and forth. Little cranks can be turned, and when you when you step onto a place that where it turns off your ability to turn it, they'll like pull in the handles so that it's obvious that you can't move it while you're on it. Mm -hmm. There's one isolated level where you like pull a big ring. Oh yeah. Um, which is like not repeated anywhere, which is kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah, I, I tried to pull that down. Yeah. Not yeah, out. It's, it's like not. It's weird that they chose. I guess it is a different type of movement than any of the other movements in the game, so it makes sense that they they have a different image. But since it's only there the once, you'd think they would have tried to tie it in a little bit more consistently with the other the other queuing in the game. Yeah. And they, they could have, like, not had that. They could <laughs> right. have had something you move up and down or you turn. Yeah. Someone just really wanted that mechanic in that particular level, <laughs> I guess. It was somebody's baby. But I'm glad I got to play it again. It was a good nostalgic feels. Yeah. I'll probably... I mean, I'll probably go back and do Ida's Dream at some point since I, you know, I just have it, so. Yeah, might as well. Yeah, why not? Alright. Anything else? Or uh, shall I introduce our next game? You shall introduce our next game. That's fine. Okay, so next game. Uh, we are going to be playing 
Mages of Mistralia. So Mages of Mistralia uh, is a 2017 game uh, by Borealis Games. Uh, I don't know a ton about it. Uh, Huck has been streaming it recently, uh, but I intentionally did not watch because I didn't want to be spoiled because we want to play it. Um, as far as I can tell, it is a sort of third-person action-adventure puzzle type game. Uh, but the main selling point is that there is a, an interesting magic system whereby you collect like runes and instructions and you can combine them in interesting ways to, to customize spells. Um, and then you, you, know, you use those to fight and solve puzzles and things like that. So I'm looking forward to trying it out. It's a little bit uh, more expensive than our usual game. Uh, apologies to people for that. Um, we're going to try it out. And I don't know. I don't know much more than that. It looks cool. Yeah, it's it does got look kind cool. of a cartoony sort of art style. Yeah, I'm really actually really digging the design on this. So interested to see if it if it, it plays well or if it just looks good in screenshots. <laughs> it reminds I'm trying to remember what it is that the art style reminds me of. I feel like we played something else that had this kind of like top down blocky 3D. Was the one with the little like grandma lady that hits things with a stick that uh, pen pen yeah oh yeah maybe that's what I'm thinking of hmm maybe, maybe. I'm thinking of something else <laughs> also uh, I feel like this is not no longer like an incredibly uncommon art style but it's still like I don't know it's cheery enough that uh, I like it when things are, are stylized at least a little bit so it's it's cheery and positive and and has some art direction yeah. to it. There's so. definitely art direction and like color palettes seem to be pretty consistent in areas, which is always good. Yeah. But it's not just here's all the colors. Yep. So uh, we'll check that out and uh, and see what the deal is, and then we'll report back in two weeks. Yeah. Uh, we probably will most likely have Huck on as a guest because he's been playing this a bunch. I think he has a lot about it that he wants to say, so right, cool. there's a very strong chance that uh, that he will join us. Nice. But yeah, so you have two weeks to, to play along with us uh, and then we'll uh, you know, come listen and, and share share your thoughts, share our thoughts, see if you agree with us. Or if you think we're stupid and want to yell at us on Twitter, that's fine too. That's fair, yeah. I don't really, don't really get yelled yeah. at a lot, but yeah, it's okay. All right, shall we give our plugs? Oh yeah, that's how this works. Ah. <laughs> uh, hello, I am Kelso. You can find me on Twitter at Kelso Time Bomb. Uh, I also pretend to be the podcast and i do the podcast twitter at feedback force where you can find links to things that we're playing etc that's it that's all um i am kyla i am at kyla underscore go on twitter uh i guess i'm still streaming for now uh tune in next week to see if we get <laughs> prince of persia working or not uh, you can find me on Twitch, uh, twitch.tv slash cagedtiger, spelled with a K. 
So K-A-G-E-D-T-I-G-E-R. Yes, and I'm Carl. You can find me on Twitter at Skog3. Cool. And that's it. Yep, that's the episode. Thanks for joining us. We did it. Yeah, thanks for listening, and And see you next time. For playing a a quick four in February. Yeah. Have a happy March. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's March now. We did it. All right. Yeah, see you later. Bye, everybody. Bye.